Africa Climate Conversations. The podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwe. In 2015, Isaac Mongi, a social entrepreneur famously known as Izo, was on his usual tour guiding routine at the Maasai Mara in Kenya. While tour guiding, Izo spotted lions playing with a plastic bottle. It bothered him. This event would change not only Izo's daily tour guiding job, but also the lives of local Maasai women living in Olailamotia town in Aro County. What did he do? Let's hear more from Aizo of Marafiki Community International. So really quickly, I thought that this needs to end. And um, I was able to talk to my other comrades in the industry. And we decided we will segregate a portion where people can be dropping their plastic bottles as they exit the game drive. Now, then we had already decided to start our other social enterprise that is an echo camp, uh, just close to the Mara where we are. And people were dropping their plastic bottles and so that we can be able to recycle them. But really what happened is that some people began throwing even food products. So kids would jump in to try and find something there. So that was a bit degrading for us to have other humans trying to scramble over trash. And so we had to do away with that. I did not know what I would do with the bottles. Had zero ideas until... I began to research. With tons of plastic bottles, Aizo had to think of an idea to sustainably get rid of these plastic bottles. I hope you listened to the last episode to better understand the waste problem in Olailamute town. Now, Aizo told the Africa Climate Conversations podcast that after intensive research, an outrageous idea of constructing eco-friendly cabins using plastics popped into his head. These cabins are constructed not only using plastic bottles, but during construction, every non-biodegradable waste you can think of. Straws, broken glass bottles, clothes, beer can, your ATM card, to name just a few, are stashed and hidden right in there. Let's hear more from Izo. First of all, my main aim was I do not want to see plastic bottles in the reserve itself. The town itself is filthy. It's scattered everywhere because there is no waste management plan which and we hope that it can be activated very soon. So when we started collecting them, I immediately started researching. What what do I do with all of these hundreds and hundreds of bottles that have piled into this mesh wire box? And uh, I borrowed the idea from different areas and I sought to try it out. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to try my first cabin that exists in my head. Uh, And I'll have to find all of these people that can buy into the crazy idea. And I had to jump a few construction workers um, that said it's not possible. They just shot the idea down immediately. They said, let's not do this, it's slow. It's all of these things that it can never be. But I really wanted somebody who would tell me, let's just give it a shot. And we started putting the walls together I was there trying to do it myself with the guys, making sure that uh, the walls are symmetric. And we got up there and I had procrastinated a lot with the idea until the first cabin formed. Now, I did not let anybody use that cabin for months. I was the only person using the cabin because, you know, I'm not an architect. I've just come up with this crazy idea that just happens to be very strong walls in the end that can even take a concrete roof and um, people started trickling down to see, oh wow, what is this thing that you've really come up with? 
and hoping that tourists can stay in it. So I stayed in the cabin for months myself whenever I would come to Masai Mara doing other constructions and setting up our other social enterprise, which is the accommodation. That was my home. Only to realize months and months later, of course, what I was waiting for is for us to go through two seasons, the dry and the wet one, especially the wet one, uh, just to see if anything will happen. So nothing happened. I saw no cracks. There was nothing. It was intact. And I decided, you know what? Let's give it a shot with the next one. The first one we decided we are going to use two layers. Two layers means we put two bottles side by side. And the next one I decided we will do three layers. The reason being, we would want to hide more of the plastic. One building, when we use that system that uh, we've um, tried to adopt, uh, we use 5,300 plastic bottles, 500 ml. So we took products from one company and we decided we're only going to build this using the products from this company. And we only use 500 ml, right? But that's on either sides of the wall. But in the middle, we decided now that will be a ditch for us to hide anything non-biodegradable. Name it, clothes, broken glasses, pens, anything that is not biodegradable. Glass, glass is a very big issue here. So we would hide the broken glasses, the crushed beer cans. We would hide everything in the middle of the building. We know we're able to hide about 2,500 glass bottles. When we count the beer cans, it's as many as we can because we just crush them, we just step on them, and then we sandwich them in one way or another, and they just fit inside so we can hide as many. So we can equate that 5,300 plastic bottles, 2,500 glass bottles, and a lot of other non-biodegradable substances. We're able to hide it within building. The Eco Camp is the Anyora Masai Eco Camp situated right next to the Masai Mara Olaila Mutia entry gate. The camp has seven cabins constructed using plastic bottles. Dry sand is added to the plastic bottle to harden it and convert it into a small brick. The cabin roof is also made of plastic. Contracted local women collect these bottles and fill them with sand or paper. Since August 2021 to mid last year, Maria Sananka, a 28-year-old mother of six and 20 other women, has earned a living from collecting these bottles from camps, market shops, and open landfills. They would spend a day collecting the bottles, then another day scooping the sand from the river, which would be left overnight to dry, mainly those during summer days. The following morning, the dry soil would be stashed in plastic bottles and delivered to the Anyora camp. Upon delivery, the payment would be made promptly. Sananka says for a 500 ml uh, bottle filled with sand, they earned two shillings and four shillings for one liter bottle. However, they earned double for a paper filled plastic. How has this job helped improve Sananka's life? Life changed for my children, and not a day have they been sent home due to school fees, neither lacked clothing nor went hungry. So I thank God because during the time I was collecting the bottles, we never lacked anything. I have three children in school, each paying a thousand shillings, and I will manage to pay their school fees at time and always lead the women in earnings. There was a time I managed to earn 6,000 shillings at once. The day I paid 3,000 shillings, a thousand for each child's school fees, and and then with the balance, I managed to go shopping to ensure my children had their weekly food supplies. As Naro County develops, there has been a huge demand for sand, crushed rocks, gravel, and pebbles, important materials for infrastructure and housing construction. This has led to over-harvesting in some riverbeds as one traverses through the county, sporting trucks picking sand by the river, or young men scooping sand using shovels is a common sight in Naro County.
Aizo says what these women collect from rivers is negligible. Actually, a very good concern. I can tell you we don't have that sort of an issue in this area. Now, where we are, if you come after the rains, anywhere we have a ditch somewhere or anywhere we have water having clogged and then it's kind of dried, there is sand. So they're better off picking the sand that is actually within where we are without even going to the river. The river actually involves a little bit of work. But picking up sand that is on the walkways and all of that is what they prefer because it shortens the distance. When they have to go to the river, it's because uh, they have to commune together as women. And you will find they are joining up the whole uh, venture, doing their cleaning, washing their kids, and then they decide, okay, let's harvest, and then tomorrow we'll come and kind of refill. Hardly what we are taking from the streams around us is probably negligible, so to say. Back to Sananka. Since mid last year, these women who had started table banking have not earned a single shilling from collecting the plastic bottles. At Sananka's household, things have become a little difficult. Her husband just got a job as a matatu driver. Previously, he was employed as a motorcycle rider. But Sananka says it was a difficult job as he would rarely earn anything substantive. Due to fuel hikes, whenever he would earn 500 Kenya shillings a day, 300 would be consumed fueling the motorcycle. Sananka is now exploring alternative means of income to complement what her husband earns. I do laundry at the center and sell firewood for people flying chips at the center. I sell a load of firewood for 200 shillings. But laundry payments depends. After washing two blankets, I receive a payment of 400 shillings. I pile up these earnings until the market day and use them to shop for food. The challenge often is that I dare divert that money. I cannot afford to buy the foodstuffs at the market. So when things are better, I have earned an extra money, and that's when I buy my children clothes and pay their school fees. The high food costs currently being experienced in Kenya are not helping ease the pressure on the mother of six. The Kenya National Bureau of Statistics records that monthly food price inflation hit a six-year high of 15.8% in 2022 and remained at 7.9% as of September last year. Sananka depends on the weekly Tuesday market for her family food supplies. Like many Kenyans, she says life has been a tough balance due to high food costs. We buy our weekly food supply at the market. One must wait until Tuesday to do their shopping at the market and then wait until the following week for new supplies. These days, the economy is very high and nowadays, two kilograms of potatoes sell for 200 shillings. I buy one bucket of potatoes for 800 shillings, a kilo of sugar for 250 shillings and two kilograms of rice for 200 shillings. Nowadays, everything has increased in price. I use at least 2,500 shillings when I go shopping weekly just for the food. The earnings really helped and it paid us well. For now, Sananka prays that the job at the annual Ramasai camp resumes so that her life can go back to some normal. But at the Anyora Masai Echo Camp, Aizo says he has over 150,000 pieces of sand-filled plastic bottles piled up. Also, the skeleton of the eighth cabin is yet to be completed. Why is this? Here is Aizo. So, everybody thinks building with the bottles is cheaper. It is not cheaper. No, no, no. This I call a cleanup exercise. In fact, I can already tell you that there is nothing sustainable about doing that. 
it's simply a, a cleanup exercise. I know, I shock everybody when I tell them it's not sustainable. The sustainability of these cabins comes from the revenue we actually make. At the end of the day, when we have all of these cabins, then we have everybody wanting to stay in an eco-friendly place, then it gives us the income, then that income is what we divide to continue investing back into the business and focusing on the water, the schooling, the women empowerment, the health, and other businesses that we want to open for so many young people. There are two other systems that I can use to build. Polystyrene, the chopped stones. The chopped stones would be cheaper than using plastic bottles. The polystyrene is the cheapest because it's prefab walls. Just put them together, we plaster them. Within 13 days, I have a cabin. For this, I need about 30 days. So already the labor is intensive, it's high, because it's a slow process. I can only go as high with the wall. It's similar to the brick one, only that with the bricks I can go higher on the wall. Now, doing such a cabin that can fit three beds inside, it's in suit, uh, from scratch to finish, the way you've seen it where you can actually stay in it, it costs us $9,000 to finish it from scratch, foundation, laying the foundation, and then putting up the walls. Slowly finishing, putting the plumbing, electrical work, beds. Now you're ready, moving, you can use it. $9,000. If I use the bricks to actually build, uh, you can knock off a good $1,500, probably $1,800 out of that. It becomes cheaper. If I use polystyrene, you can knock out a good $2,500 out of that. So we are taking the heat to make sure that we can clean up the town. But really, the money that we would be making is also used to sensitize people on the dangers of plastic. But these are small plastic bottles. Does constructing these cabins use more concrete and labor than a house constructed using traditional bricks? It uses a lot. Actually, the whole expense comes in there. Because remember, I'm using a small brick that is 500 ml of a bottle. So I have to put cement around that bottle. So think about the small little cements I'm putting into the layers. It becomes more expensive. The labor, I can only go up to five bottles going up. We have bottle one, two, three, four, five maximum. They go, it kind of sucks. So you have to go and wait until the next day for that cement to have dried up for you to continue. So the labor that is involved here is intense because if I compare the first layer of us building a whole right angle corner, when I'm using polystyrene, all the walls are already up because they're pre-made. So it is the cement, it is the sand, it is the labor that makes it more expensive. Why do you keep doing it? I understand uh, initially what you said, but then yeah. again, <laughs> do you have a plan to do it longer term and why? I would rather not build with plastic bottles. I mean, I'm passionate about the dangers around plastic bottles. The microplastics and the macroplastics that we are now finding out we are ingesting. I am concerned about it. Why I'm saying there's nothing sustainable about this, it's a cleanup exercise. I want to take it out of the streets of the towns around Masai Mara. Because kids are picking up these single-use plastics and reusing them to take porridge, to take milk, to take beverages to school every day. If you stand somewhere and you watch them going to school, it is sad that they are reusing them. That means in 20 years, the community is going to deal with ailments that they don't know where they came from. And it's because nobody's doing anything right now. If the policy stepped in and the policymakers stepped in and said, okay, we will have zero tolerance to plastic bottles, 
I'm happy to use the cheapest other alternative I have. But I have to keep doing it because of my conviction, because of uh, what I feel as a person, because what I feel for humanity and for the wildlife. This wildlife will only survive if we have people who care. We want healthy communities to take care of their heritage and for our country to be able to take care of its own heritage. So somebody needs to take the hit. And actually, I would ask somebody else out there, come and take the hit with us so that we can get rid of all of these plastics. Uh, we've actually decided that moving forward, we want to probably do two polystyrene cabins and one that is made out of bottles. That way we can get to the numbers we need to get and uh, fish in all the bed nights we need to so that our end game is to sensitize people. Sustainability will come by changing the way people think. We will not change the way they live otherwise. Aizo has called on you to come take the heat with him. He is processing a loan to complete the eighth eco-cabin, but his land has a capacity to hold 80 cabins. Since Marafiki International Community International aims at not just protecting nature, but also improving the lives of those living in these spaces, what is his financial model? What we do is um, family run. It's a family social enterprise. Why I'm very careful to use social enterprise, it's because it's a business that believes in a certain cause. It exists so that we can address a certain problem that we have in society or certain problems that we have. So what we do is that we look at um, everything that we do as a family and we collect money together and we give a story, our clients understand the story. And I've mentioned we've been in tourism and having groups coming over. We strongly give them an opportunity where they can give their time, share your skills. For example, we have a group that has signed up to come and travel all over Kenya. And once they get to Masai Mara, they want to give a few days to empower the community. And so you find that they will ask what it is that they can do. I tell them, okay, there's 15 of you. Uh, if you all fundraise $100, we will get to do this kind of a project. If you are able to fundraise $200, $300, then we are able to inject into this kind of a project while you're here and you'll see it going. So really it's with the people that we get to sell what we do. And that's why it's a powerful tool to understand that agents that are out there and they do a similar job, they are bringing other human beings that are genuinely deep down. They care about other human beings. And we can use this tool to reach out to so many people as we have done. So we have been able to do this, first of all, by digging deep into our pockets to believe, first of all, in what it is that we want to do. So the dream, first of all, has to consume you. And then once you start it, then other people come in and they listen to your story and they want to be part of it. And so you get businesses saying, okay, that is a good cause for our CSR. We want to come in and help out and they come and do a little bit. We want people to be able to do things that are sustainable for people and to make sure that when you leave, the wheel is still rotating and doesn't need you to continue being there for it to rotate. Just a reminder, it is illegal in Kenya to take any single-use plastic into Kenya's protected areas, including national parks, beaches, forests, and conservation areas since June 2020. Also, in Kenya, the use of single-use plastic bags was banned in 2017. 
want to reach out to ISO, please feel free to follow Marafiki Community International on Facebook and LinkedIn. Check out Anyora Masai Echo Camp on Facebook and Instagram. Also reach out to ISO Slim on Facebook or ISO Mwangi on Instagram. Or better yet, send us an email info at africaclimateconversations.com or slide us that DM on Africa Climate Conversations X page, Facebook, Instagram, or my LinkedIn page, Sophie Mbogwa. But for now, Thank you to those of you who have reached out to us to collaborate. But for those of you who have yet to reach out, please remember our email is info at Africa Climate Conversations. And I'm looking forward to that email. I will see you soon. Kwaheri for now. My name is Sophie Mbogwa. Africa Climate Conversations.